the pursuit of more. Mm -hmm. Like, I hope that there's a pursuit of more. Like, I don't want to be full enough. I want to, you know, keep going, keep eating figuratively, literally all of it. Hey there, readers. Welcome back to the second episode of The Book Was Better. Each week, I deep dive into all things literature with some special guests, fun games, and all the book talk to you on your For You page. If you're into reading, this is going to be your new favorite podcast. And if you're not, I guarantee you'll be converted. So nestle into a cozy corner, grab your cup of tea, and let's get started. We've got an exciting one for you today. I am so excited and deeply honored to welcome this week's guest on the pod, the author of debut novel Old Enough, Haley Jacobson. Haley Jacobson is a writer living in Brooklyn, New York. She's built a huge audience for her writing on TikTok and Instagram, and her first book, Old Enough, hit the shelves on June 20th. Her work explores mental health, queerness, sex, trauma, and bodies. She's the very online bisexual representation we needed for our next generation of writers. Please welcome Haley Jacobson. Thank you so much. Honored to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So I usually like to just start each episode off with asking my guest, what is a book that really either got you into reading or in your case writing? Like what really started it all for you? Mm, I think it uh, probably always goes back to Judy Bloom for me. Oh, um, yes. And so many of her books, I think, paved the way for the book that I wrote. I don't think that Old Enough could exist on shelves today if Judy Bloom didn't lay the groundwork for, um, you know, such authenticity and messiness, um, you know, portrayed by women characters in all of her novels. And she also gave so much weight to young folks, which I think is something that we still sort of have to argue for Mm -hmm. um, these days is certainly something that I came up against writing a book about college students um, and sort of having to like Proof why those were important stories to tell. But, um, you know, it all goes back to Judy. And my favorite book by Judy Bloom is starring Sally J. Friedman as herself, which makes a little cameo in Old Enough. Um, but yeah, she's so prolific and incredible. And um, I think probably was the start of it all for me. I love that. I love that. And honestly, now that you say that, I see such a parallel between her work and yours. It makes so much sense that she's been an inspiration to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so awesome. So then I guess what, like, when was the time in your life that you were like, okay, I really want to be a writer? Like what sparked that for you? I think it actually came off of an argument with my mom because I went to college for theater, but I I had always written, I think I come from a family where words are very important and everyone's always reading and there's lots of speeches and poetry and many performances, um, of like the written sort. Um, and so that was always a huge part of my upbringing. And then I went to school to become an actor and that's what, you know, what I thought was my destiny. (laughs) And I think like halfway through school and my mom really encouraged me to pursue theater as my, as my career. But halfway through school, I think she got a little worried that I was forgetting that I was a writer. Um, and she, she called me to remind me. And of course being the mother or being the, the daughter of a mother, I, um, 
got very upset at her and said, you're not listening to me. This is what I want. I'm going to be an actor. I don't care about writing. (laughs) Um, And I think even as I was saying it, even as I was yelling it, it, I knew it wasn't true. And I think that um, in the sort of months and years to come, whether I was aware of it or not, I really started to focus a lot more on playwriting and Mm. developing um, theater as opposed to acting in it. And by my senior year, I had taken myself out of casting um, so that I wouldn't be considered for any shows. And instead, I I wrote my first full-length play. And I graduated from college, and um, I never went on a single audition, but I, I wrote a lot, and I never stopped. That's amazing. I guess then I would love to chat about Old Enough. Um, Like I said, I absolutely loved it. So I would love if you want to, in your own words, to just give a brief explanation about what the book is about. Sure. Yes. So Old Enough um, follows the second semester sophomore year for Savannah Henry, who is the protagonist of the novel. She is newly out as bisexual. She is finding her people. She's figuring it all out. And then she gets news that her childhood best friend is getting married. And she sort of catapulted into the past and starts revisiting a a night many years ago that um, really changed her for the rest of her life. And the book is about sort of navigating that messy place of figuring out the person that you want to be while also holding space for the person that you were told you had to be. And it's a book that is about girlhood and queerness and best friend breakups. And it's a book for survivors who are learning how to heal in a, in a post me too world. And it's, um, it's a, it's a too much book about a too much girl because I'm a too much girl. (laughs) So I could only write a book that way. Absolutely. I love that. I feel like it's genuinely a book for everyone. I feel like it touches on so many different personal things, but it's so hard nowadays to find a book that touches on really in in some ways like hard and some ways traumatic experiences, but at the end of it I felt mm. like I, like I was given just like a big hug. Like I genuinely I wasn't like sad mm. when I finished it. I personally went through a friendship breakup like a year ago. And I feel like it was so hard Mm. to articulate how hard it was to other people. Mm. And it's something that I feel like is not touched on enough. Friendship breakups, they are, to me, in so many ways worse than real breakups. It's such a loss and you really mourn. It's like almost this death of a person that, you know, your day to day looks different and you're mourning this this what your life looked like before and what your life is going to look like now without them and anyways reading your book was just such a way to really experience that through someone else and feel less alone and I felt like it was just it articulated everything that I felt in such an amazing way Mm -hmm. so thank you for that I absolutely loved it (laughs) thank you thank you so much yeah I think um you know going into this book I don't think I realized at the start how much it would focus on or or have this sort of undercurrent of of the best friend breakup um mm-hmm. 
and and have it come, you know, into central focus in the way that it did. But it's so real and so Mm -hmm. reminiscent of relationships that I've had fall apart in my life and so many of my friends, Mm -hmm. my my femme friendships, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when you finally sit down and you start talking about losing relationships that were so pivotal for you and relationships that you promised forever to and, and how hard it is to even talk about that with your new friends for fear that they might think that you can't keep a friend or that there's something wrong with you. And so we kind of harbor it as these little shameful secrets, but it's, it's absolute torture how painful these endings can be because we just have had no preparation for it. Society doesn't give us any sort of roadmap for what it is to say goodbye to someone you just can't grow with anymore. Um, and so I'm really thrilled that people are feeling that kind of grief, um, Mm -hmm spoken to that, mm-hmm. that they feel held in that way because, um, I certainly needed a book that could do that for me, yeah. but I couldn't find one. So I wrote it. <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. I think it's, it's also something that's so a part of your twenties that is mm. not spoken about and it's so normal. Yeah. And yeah, I think too, it's so normal. And, and, and I think the book reflects this a lot as well. Like Savannah looked back on her relationship and didn't feel like a dis a, like she didn't dislike her, her the friendship anymore. She just realized that it wasn't something that she could move forward with. And I feel like that's such a normal thing mm. too. It doesn't have to be this grand friendship breakup. It can just be a situation where you're like we're just not meant to be in each other's lives mm-hmm. anymore, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that's just a part yeah. of getting older, unfortunately. <laughs> right. 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 And yeah. did you, I, I always wonder about this. Did you feel like it was difficult to write about such vulnerable topics throughout the story? I think that, you know, in addition to, you know, kind of being a writer out in the world, I, I also am a writing teacher. I teach um, workshops. Uh, they're called Writing with Confidence. And they're mm-hmm. for writers who are kind of ready to make the next step, but have uh, a little bit of like... Um, creative trauma and Mm. they need some, some love, Mm -hmm. um, and, and also a little bit of a push. And we talk about that all the time, you know, the kind of interesting thing about being a writer and, you know, touching on, on things that, um, are present in your own identities or perhaps are, you know, taken from your own experiences and how do you touch those things and make them into art when they're also, you know, pieces of, of yourself Mm -hmm. and, and perhaps very raw and personal. And I think what I find myself saying, and, and I didn't always do this from the start, but I think I'm at a point in my creative practice where I won't write about anything that I haven't processed um, in therapy and with my people. I love that. Um, I, I'm not just going to like rip my heart from, from my body and right. you know, pummel it into the page. Yeah. I, I don't personally, I don't think that's a very, um, sustainable or healthy way to undergo any creative excavation. Um, so self-care, you know, as like, you know, reductive, that phrase has become, 
uh, is an essential part of, of my writing practice. And so coming into my identities as a survivor, as a bisexual woman, um, as someone who has lost friendships that, you know, felt like they made up the blueprint of who I was. Like I, I, I took years and years to process those things and to like live inside those identities. You can't write about your identities until they've become sort of like a living, breathing thing inside you. Right. So, um, I, I often say to my students, you know, let things marinate, like we're always writing. As long as you have your creative lens on, you are always writing. And so they, they cook when they're ready. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you think that, like you were saying, you're not going to write about anything until you've really fully processed it? Do you feel like everything that you write, you want to have a piece of you in it? Mm. Yeah, I think that I'm a write what you know kind of writer. I, um, I think also so much of what I write comes from, you know, a, a sort of a, a soft wound in me that, that needs to be tended to and needs mm-hmm. to be listened to and heard. So, and, and I'm so okay with that, you know, the therapy has made me understand exactly why that is. Um, and I think often for women and survivors and, and, and also, uh, you know, occupying an, a, a, a sexuality that is the most uh, likely to be swept to the side and Mm -hmm. and deemed as um, not real and not visible. I, I think my, my writing always is going to contain the the parts of me that are just desperate to be heard. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if, if that continues to be the case, then yeah, I think it will hold parts of me no matter what. you think that because you write such personal things that it makes it do you find it challenging when you receive negative feedback on your stories mm, no I don't but I, I also <laughs> I've worked on that muscle a lot um yeah that's good be, and this is because um I probably would if I wasn't ready to share it yet. Uh-huh. If it if it if it, uh-huh. if it was still like really fresh and really tender, right? Um, then I probably would take it very personally. Uh-huh. But by the time that my writing has made its way into something that could be published, uh-huh. that is my work. Right. That's my work. That's not coming from a diary entry. It's not a hobby. It's not, you know, something that I kind of fiddled and toyed around with. When it's ready to be out in the world, it's made that transition from personal to public. Mm-hmm. And, you know, perhaps it's just very, very good coping on my part, yeah. but I am able to really compartmentalize those those things. It's amazing. Um, and And at the same time, I'm not one to seek out criticism. I'm not going to go look for my bad mm-hmm. Goodreads reviews and I'm not interested in, mm-hmm. you know, any sort of hater online. Like they're going to be blocked immediately. I think critique is interesting, but I find criticism unnecessary. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. 100%. You know, so I think it's a mix of maybe some coping and self-care practices, but also just the mindset that I bring to my career of, okay, once we've crossed that 
that territory or that threshold of like, okay, you've, you've worked, you've worked some of this out in therapy, you've massaged it to a, to a degree where you feel comfortable and grounded in your stance and your viewpoint Mm -hmm. and what happened and how you want to, um, how you want to step in, into whatever it is that you're, that you're writing about. Okay. If you've done all that, you have that checklist now, now it's just work. And so feedback is feedback and you'll take it or you won't, but it's not, it's not going to touch that nerve in the way that it might, if it was just a few days fresh Mm -hmm. off of the experience and you were taking it right from my notebook. I think that's so healthy that you do that because I think it's, you're just like, this is me. These are my experiences. And I like take it or leave it. You know, I, this is, I'm putting this out there for other people to take something from it. And I don't really care what other people, what negative things people feel towards it. If it's helping somebody, you know? Right. And I think also for me, there's a lot of healing in taking whatever, you know, personal, potentially traumatic thing and then putting it into art and, and giving it a new life, a fresh life where all of a sudden you're with other people and you're sort of workshopping the best way for the story to be told. And so, yes, it may have come from this, you know, sort of like bruised and tender place, but, you know, you plant it in, in sort of this creative soil and what grows from it becomes sometimes something so entirely new that you, you forget where it came from in the first place or not forget, but it just, it takes on uh, a level of expansiveness that, that it, it never would have had you just sort of tossed Mm. aside whatever the, um, the hurt was. That's great. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Do you, obviously I'm sure the majority of, of your personal experiences was fleshed out through Sav, but do you feel like there was a character other than her that you really enjoyed creating in the story? Yeah. I, you know, so the way I see Sav is like, you know, old enough is a work of fiction and the way I see Sav is sort of like a little sister that I'm shepherding through Mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, while we share certain identities, like, I'm the hand that 16 year old me and 19 year old me didn't get to hold. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I'm sort of, you know, doing some, some healing work by, by like leading this little sister through the world. And so obviously I have such a soft spot in my heart for Savannah. I love her dearly, but I think, I mean, I, I'm such a character writer. I just love to take stereotypes and archetypes of people and just like break them apart and give them so much more texture and nuance that than we often see um in media and so I have so many characters that I loved but I think someone who was particularly interested interesting to play with was the character of Laura who you know at first glance could just be perceived as the ignorant sorority girl and she's not she's so much more than that Um, Mm -hmm. and she's so entirely human just like everybody else in the Mm -hmm. book Mm -hmm. so I really loved writing her character and writing her arc I love that you I you did that so well in the book I feel like every character I felt so connected to in a different way and I felt like they Mm. were so specifically their own like you made them all very oh, different in their you. own in their own special ways. And I, I absolutely loved that about it. What do you really hope people to take away from the book? 
Mm, so many things, but I think, you know, number one for me is I did set out to write a book about the difference between, you know, justice and healing for sexual mm -hmm. assault survivors. Mm -hmm. the, the sort of marrow of this book was always going to be for survivors. And so, you know, my biggest hope from the beginning has just been hoping that anyone who is a survivor might read this and be believed, I you know, that. just as simple as that. Mm -hmm. I hope this book is a, I believe you. That's amazing. Um, and it I hope it also, you know, as I said, it's a too much book. So there's so much in there, but I think, you know, one of the biggest messages is, you know, you're not beholden to the person that you were yesterday, day before, month before, five years ago, the person that your mom told you you had to be, the person that you thought you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. um, you can you can scrub that and start fresh and start new. Um, and that, you know, going back to this idea of too muchness, like we're never enough. Like mm -hmm. that's what keeps us going. Like, and not saying that we're never enough in the sense of like, I'm, I'm not enough for someone to love me, but like the pursuit of more, mm -hmm. like, I hope that there's always a, a pursuit of more. Like, um, I don't want to be full enough. I yeah. want to, you know, keep going, keep yes. eating figuratively, literally all of it. And so I, I just hope that, you know, in the way that Sav's friends see her and, and I think Candy says, you know, being friends with you is the easiest thing in, in the world. Like, I just hope that all, you know, people can come away from this and realize like someone loving us is, is a privilege for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, it, it is an honor. Mm -hmm. It's an honor to love my friends and it's an honor for them mm -hmm. to love me. And, um, that's what I wanted to, imbue into the book. I wanted that message to kind of ring loudly and clearly that we're all so deeply, deeply worthy of love and full and total and complete acceptance for exactly who we are. And also for exactly who we don't even know we are yet. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. I, I know that so many people will be feeling this way because I feel this way. I know it's soon to ask this, but are you working on another story? Do you have ideas of another story that you'd like to write? Do you know when another one will be coming out? Well, I definitely am working. I've been working on, or I started working on a second book um, kind of as things started ramping up with, with this one. Um, and then I just had to press pause because I felt like I was being pulled from one world to the other. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I'm going to be like, uh, Emily Henry who can just like <laughs> pump them out. You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say that I wish, but I don't even know, like, you know, we, we get in so much trouble for comparing our processes to other mm -hmm. Writers, that's like, I think often what stops people from writing in the first place is like, oh, I don't have a process. I don't write like so-and-so. I could never, you know, wake up at 6 a.m. and write for two hours, whatever. I could go on and on about that. But I don't know what my process is yet for mm -hmm. um, writing more books. I know that I, I have one and mm -hmm. I have it tucked away and it is, it's coming up on that time where I can open it back up and, and see where, see where we are. Um, but 
I don't, I don't know for sure. But what I, one thing I do know about me is once I know that it is time to, to fully sink my teeth in, it's usually a quick turnaround. So hopefully it won't be too long, but I can't promise anything. That's okay. That's awesome. I'm just happy to hear you're working on something else. I would love to get into a segment that I like to call script to screen. And I feel like you are just the most fun person to do this with. Um, I love to dissect books that either have an adaptation already and just talk about what a future adaptation could look like. But with you, it's even more fun because there obviously is not an adaptation. But if there were to be, do you have a dream cast? Do you have like dream people that you would love to see play these characters? And also, too, it's even more fun because you are in that space a little bit with plays and yes that's true I am yeah Yeah. I mean look dream for me would be able to cast people who are like ready for their big break like I I love uh I love bringing someone new into the spotlight so that's that's huge for me but you know what's interesting is like I I hadn't really had to I don't I don't write uh, my characters with like a lot of visuals like if you parse through my my book like you'll notice that I talk about people's hair and I talk about their style but I don't talk about people's bodies Uh Um, and I do that very purposefully Mm -hmm. I think especially um, when you're writing you know Sav is a woman but we also have a a a cast of characters who while a lot of them are femme or feminine Mm -hmm. they are very expansive in their gender identities Mm -hmm. and so I was like who am I to even try to point to what these people look like or how they take up space. But I did have kind of someone kind of come into mind for Sav like more recently than not. And it was so interesting because I, when I had my book tour stop in LA, someone came up to me um, when, when we were doing signings and they were like, this is the person that I had in my head. And I was like, what are the chances that this is the same person? So I don't know if you've watched um, The Wilds or Tiny Beautiful Things, but there's this actress, mm-hmm. Sarah Pigeon. Okay. She she plays the, I don't I doubt that you can see this, but she plays like oh. the too much girl. Okay. Um, So well. But here's the thing is it is sort of, not legal to ask people if they're gay. So that, that, that is the, that is always the, the question. Um, oh yeah. Oh my God. I feel like that's literally so exactly how I envision Yes. Yes. If someone could just write in and let me know if Sarah yeah. Pigeon is gay or not, I'd be yeah. really appreciative. Oh my God. Um, yeah. She, she looks but that's like, definitely yeah. How I would envision her. Yeah. But I think, you know, what's, what could be really exciting about my book is that because it's such a diverse cast of characters, like there's just so many trans and oh, non-binary um, actors who just mm-hmm. haven't been, you know, given their flowers yet and yeah. it's time. And so I think, you know, I'm a big manifester, big, big visualizer. And when I think of this, you know, film adaptation, I don't really think of like people who are already established Uh and really famous. Like, yeah, of course, I'd love to get some heavy hitters in there. But like, I have so many friends who are actors and and I I meet creative people all the time. And I just, there's nothing like someone who is like fresh and hungry. That's, you know, how I went into this process. I was fresh and hungry. My agent is fresh and hungry. Like, Mm -hmm. 
there's something so exciting about that energy and then mm-hmm. and that drive that I, I would hope that we could bring that to um to this. But I would be very excited if um Emma Seligman oh. directed this because yeah. she's fantastic and you know she has bottoms coming out and mm-hmm. she directed Shiva Baby yeah. and so yeah, she you know, would be perfect. Emma, if you're here. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I think she would be so, so excellent. She but, would. Yeah. Do you feel like, I think this is such an interesting thought too, because I think this book could really go both ways. Do you feel like you would prefer it to be a, like a movie or a show? Oh, a show. A yeah. Show. I always I say like very film, much but a show. I, I think like limited series yes. would be. I agree. Because so I think it has so good. many layers that could not be conveyed fully in a movie. Yeah, I'm so with you. Yeah, yeah I would love um I would love a limited series. And then and then if if we did that, I feel like I would have opportunities to to bring in moments and play with things that, that aren't in the books. So, oh, and that would be so cool. That would be very cool. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I did ask on my TikTok if any of my followers had questions for you. So mm. I did write down a few, and I would love if we could go through them. Yes, um, please. Yeah, I was very excited, and they asked very good questions. So I'm going to keep them all anonymous because the majority of people did ask to remain anonymous. So we will just we'll just do it all like That's that. So um, fair. I think this is obviously a very good question for everyone is what advice would you give to any young writers listening? So much. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, number one is yes, your voice does matter because <laughs> that yeah. is always the question I get, you know, why my voice when there are so many blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. I promise there's only one you, your voice matters. I your voice that. matters. Do your work, I do your work. That. Stop, uh, stop going into sort of existential, a philosopher land and just <laughs> sit your butt down and write some things yeah. down. Let's we'll, we'll decide later if it matters because you got to get it done. Um, so that would be, that would be, you know, sort of my like maybe more cookie cutter advice, mm-hmm. but I think, Oh, and this could also, I think when, when, when it's sort of these one liners, it can come off as reductive, but I promise it's not. I, I really do think that to write about life well, you have to live well. And part of living mm-hmm. well is taking care of yourself. So please don't suffer for your art. Mm-hmm. Drink water, see your friends, go travel, do something new at least once a week. Um, like sink into it, seep into it, like reflect life on the page as you see it, as you experience it, like step into the spotlight of your own life and, and take the reins and, and live well. And I promise you'll write a lot better. Uh I love that. I love that. And then I loved this question as well. How did you come up with the title old enough? So it's funny. I think that it's interesting because the phrase old enough is in the book quite a yes, few times. It's I noticed probably in that. the, in the book, like four or five uh-huh. times. I don't, the, I think the book was mostly written by the time that we came to a title or maybe not mostly written, but, but a good chunk of it was, and it wasn't like I was sort of parsing through the manuscript to find it. I was just having a I think I was like in the park with my, my partner and my best friend, Jake. And, um, 
the three of us were just like throwing out names, um, throwing out, uh, you know, possible titles and just kind of like riffing and Mm -hmm. someone said old enough. And I don't remember who said it, but I remember that when I heard it, I immediately like went into dissecting why that worked, Mm -hmm. you know, because it means so many different things when you say, you know, of course we have little girls who just are so desperate to be old enough Mm -hmm. to like live in the skin that they want to wear. We have Sab who's old enough to make decisions for herself for the first time. We have, you know, the very yucky, disgusting way that men will say, oh, well, she's old enough. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so Mm -hmm. many ways that you can take that, that phrase, that, that turn of phrase um, and apply it to this book. And so I just love, I love how rich, how rich it is. And, and it just felt so right. Um, I wish I knew what the other ones we brainstormed were, but I think once, once it hit, it just stuck. Yeah. I feel like it encapsulates the entire book. Like you read the title and I love when titles do that, you know, and I feel like you, when you finish the book, you look at the title and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. You know? Hell yeah. That makes me so happy. No, it definitely does. Um, what is your favorite writing snack or drink? Oh my goodness. Um, drink. I mean, it depends in the summer. It would be like an iced mint tea with a lot of simple syrup. Um, because if I'm out at a coffee shop, that's what I want to, that's what I'm going to want to have in the winter. It would probably be like English breakfast tea, milk and honey. Um, and then snack wise, I think probably carrots with um, like ranch dressing and like full fat ranch dressing, not oh, like, yeah. you know, the reduced, you gotta do, yeah, you gotta reduced go fat. Yeah. Yuck. Um, because you can like bite it, put it down, type more, bite it, put nice. it down, type more. Right. Um, that's, I think it's a, something I reach for because if I'm going bag of chips, I'm getting so excited about the bag of chips that I'm not writing anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I, the carrots I can do. That's um, good. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And then um, how did you come up with the character's name? <laughs> well, I do get in trouble because sometimes I will just like take people's names <laughs> in life that like, I don't, they're like a friend of a friend. Like the character of Candace honestly was born out of my my partner and, um, you know, my now friend, but but friend I was introduced to through my partner. They were roommates at the time. They, they have a third friend that, that I don't know that well. I know her better than I did before. And her name is Candace and the way that they would talk about her. She just was such a character and she just came to life. And I was like, that'll work. That is (laughs) so funny. In some ways, like based this character a little bit off of the real Candace who I don't have that close relationship with, but my partner and, and my friend Willow, they're, they're best friends with her. And so I, I could just took these like little morsels and I, and I kind of made a, a, a sketch of this character and then, you know, filled them in the way that, um, that I needed to, to, mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, build into Savannah's world. So I do stuff like that, but then also I'll just kind of like, I think, close my eyes and then just do like a little Rolodex of, of what could work. Uh And 
and stick it on. But I don't think I, I don't agonize over it. I uh-huh. also am, you know, I'll change names if I'm like, oh, this is not working. But uh-huh. something very funny did happen where, you know, my book had gone through so many phases of edits and, you know, had been in so many people's hands. And then the last, last thing you do when you are, you know, ready to publish a book is it'll get sent to the copy editor. And that's who combs through it for like the tiniest, littlest things. Okay. But I'm, t- I'm telling you, so many people had read this book at this point. Uh-huh. And sh- the copy editor sends me notes and is like, hey, Haley, like the names Matt and Josh or, yeah, I think Matt and Josh are repeated many times in this book. Are they all the same person? And <laughs> I said, no, they are not. <laughs> but I apparently can get very creative with any character names except if they belong to cis men, of which there are very few in this novel. And I sort of said to myself, are there other names besides Matt and Josh? And I think sort of, if you think about it, there aren't. No. Those are the only two names. No, those Um, were perfect. But but I did have to make some changes in that way. (laughs) That is so... We all know Matt and Josh. We do. Um, And then... If you could spend a day with another author, who would it be? Oh, my God. I know. Um, wow. I have so many answers, but let's just go with where we started and say Judy Bloom. That's amazing. How could I not? How could you not? How could I not? Yeah. I would love to go to her little bookstore in, in Florida and um, spend the day with her. That would yeah. be so incredible. Have you seen Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret yet? Have you seen it? I, not only have I seen it, I got to um, I got to present it. I got to do a one-on-one talk with the director Kelly Freeman Craig and do a screening in New York City the week oh, it came out. It was like my gosh, beyond. It was so special. I got to hand Kelly my book. So hey, Kelly, that is amazing. It was really cool. Wow. Well, I loved yeah, the it movie. was. It's amazing. It, it felt very much like, you know, my book came out maybe a month-ish later or two. Um, and it felt sort of like this, you know, I'm not like super spiritual or woo-woo mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. but there are moments of sort of like creative divine intervention. And I really felt like, you know, if there's anyone up there, or maybe it's just, you know, my, my grandmother, who is the love of my life being like, pay attention. Like, (laughs) look at this woman. Like, it's not a coincidence that you loved her so much in your childhood and that this documentary and movie, because her documentary Uh also came out um, just a month before Margaret came out. Not a coincidence that these are all happening, you know, right, right as you step into the next chapter of your life. Because there's so many things about Judy Bloom, like Judy Bloom's books didn't you know, become bestsellers until they went into paperback because that's when people could actually afford, like kids could actually afford her books. Like she has such a a wild, a beautiful story um, that, you know, it's not just like she snapped her fingers and became, uh, you know, became Judy Bloom. It, right. There, it, there was a lot of, um, you know, facets to, to the story that, that got her to where she was. And then her books were banned for so long and they still are. And it just so many different things. And it was very important to me, I think, a month before Old Enough came out for me to think about that and watch the documentary, watch the movie, talk to Kelly. Like it, it just felt very, very aligned with um, with my journey and, and a really good reminder to zoom out, which is something yeah. I'm always telling myself to do. Like 
there's no shelf life on being an author. You know, we're not models and we're not athletes. Like we got time, mm-hmm. like we get to be old and wrinkly and continue to do what we love yeah. as should everybody. But it, unfortunately that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, yeah, this is book one, but I have like a world of stories in me and, and, and so did. And so does Judy Bloom. And I, I yeah. think that was a, was very important. I love that. That's amazing. And that's so exciting to look forward to, to feel like so many good things already have come from book one and you have so much more to do. Yeah. Yeah. You never know what's around your corner, who's around your corner. That's awesome. Okay. And then just one more question. How did, obviously you've kind of touched on this, but how did your community of people react to old enough? Oh, they love it. (laughs) They loved it so much. Um, Or they do love it. I mean, I'm just so lucky. I I have, you know, the sort of readership that I've that I've amassed over the years of of just truly the most intelligent and wonderful and kind folks, uh, you know, many of whom I share uh, quite a few identities with. The crossovers are very... um, very apparent, um, mm-hmm. you know, similar to the crossovers of identities in, in old enough. So, you know, just so many people who have been in my corner cheering me on for so long, but then also, you know, my, my people, my village, um, my offline village and my, my family and my parents. And, um, I, I think, you know, I'm such a community focused person and that comes from, you know, just, genuine love of community, but also it's something that I've really had to work for, not only as an only child, but as someone who's more introverted and um, someone who, unfortunately, because I experienced assault so young, a lot of my formative community building years were really ripped from me. Mm. Um, I, so, so it's, it's, it's so deeply important to me to have a village and to have people and um, a big, big part of, of, stepping into this, um, chapter of my, of my career as a writer was thinking so often as I was writing it of the team that I wanted Mm -hmm. to manifest. I never, ever visualized the articles, the success, Mm -hmm. the, I didn't even really think about my book in a bookstore. I just thought about who would be in my corner, who Mm -hmm. would be my team. And, you know, I have been so incredibly lucky and privileged to have found the group of people to shepherd the, this novel into the world that I have. But I also, I, I had my intentions and my values in the right place. And I'm so proud of myself for that because it was never about the New York times. It was never about any of that. It was like, who am I going to be emailing at 1030 at night? Because I'm freaked out about, you know, <laughs> this one line in this one chapter, you know, like who, who, who are, who are my people going to be? Are they going to be, are they going to be able to like, look at the publishing machine with a critical eye the same way that I am? Are they going right. to share identities with me? Are they going to be uh, women? Are they going to be queer? Are they going to be young and hungry? Like I am like, who are these people going to be in and I, I would go to bed every night as I was writing this book, every night for probably six months, seven months. And I would just think of the people because I didn't have anyone lined up, no one. And I didn't even try to until the book was done. 
Um, and I just ended up with the sweetest, kindest, most, uh, wonderfully smart people. Um, and so I know you asked, you know, how has the reaction been from, from your community, but I can't help but think about, you know, the way that my, um, publishing team has, has held me mm. through this, especially as things like, mm-hmm. like I, I did just find out that I'm a New York times, um, editor's choice pick oh and that will gosh. come out next week. And, Congratulations. but I didn't picture those things. Yeah. I just pictured the people. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's always the people. That's why I wrote a community focused yeah. novel. It's just the people always. I, yeah. And I, I think though that that, in my opinion, is such is the right way to do it because at the end of the day when like everything is stripped back and like you're just like there in your room and like whatever like that is that's genuinely what matters and also I think it reflects so much in your writing and your writing to come is not not caring about the opinions or the success or what could come from it just genuinely like what do I want to write what do I want the people closest to me to feel when they read this and I think that's so yeah. special and what really like separates you and from people who do care about those things a lot. Mm, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that is, those are all my questions. So. With that, that's our episode guys. Thank you so much, Haley, for taking the time to come on my show. You can find Haley at Haley Jacobson on Instagram and TikTok. Her book, Old Enough, is out now, so please grab your copy ASAP. You can follow me at underscore the book was better on TikTok and at the book was better IG on Instagram. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review the book was better wherever you get your podcasts, and we will see you next week.